Let's go! The 4 o'clock football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Football frenzy comes to you live today. It is Twin Peaks on Eastern. That is our headquarters for Cofield Company all season long for Monday night football. Uh, there's just so much to enjoy out of Twin Peaks. Uh, domestic drafts under four bucks. Appetizers two, four, and six dollars. Ice cold, twenty-nine degree beer for under four dollars. Cheap apps all game long. HD TVs all over the place. It's a great time. Great place for a football frenzy. The place to be on Saturday night, Willie, was at Allegiant Stadium, or Saturday afternoon, as the case might be, for the Ninth Island showdown between the UNLV Rebels and the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. Two wins for UNLV football, baby. They are getting it done here. Uh, with Charles Williams leading the way. And if you watch the way Charles Williams has reacted to some of the losses that UNLV had earlier this year, you know just how badly uh, this kid was taking it. He's, he's been a heart and soul guy for the program for a handful of years now. Well, he sets the school record for the number of carries in a game, breaks Icky Woods, Mark. Oh, my God, Icky Woods. 34-year-old mm. record for Icky Woods. 38 carries for Charles Williams, Two. 166 yards takes over the Mountain West lead in rushing yards with more than a thousand for the season. Uh, Willie, what jumped out at you the most about seeing the Rebels' victory over Hawaii this weekend? Dominance. It um, it's 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 playing with the same swagger that it played with sporadically in games it could have won, and I include. FCS Power, Eastern Washington. I include Pac-12 contender, Arizona State. Once ranked Fresno State, Utah State, San Jose State. Stop me when I get to however many. But oh, no, you take, are, take, take your time. We've got two more hours in the show. Those are five games where if it had the tenacity to play for 60 minutes, we could be talking about a seven-win team. It finally figured out how to play from opening kickoff to the final buzzer or horn or gun. Uh, and it's dominance that's now playing with that confident swag. And uh, that's what stood out more than anything. Charles Williams has been, you know, every time I've been up to the to the press box to, to watch a game or I talk to you in football, that's been the common question is, is Charles Williams going to be playing on Sundays? And everybody has been in agreement that he is a potential Sunday player. It's a matter of who's going to invite him, because I don't think he'll get drafted, but who's going to invite him to camp, and how will he stand out? Because this is a guy, as you said, who is nothing but heart and soul, nothing but dedication and work ethic. And I think that you know, the team has rallied around certain individuals and certain characteristics of this program. And, you know, kudos to Marcus Arroyo because uh, when I was asked on a pregame show how many games the team would win, one, uh, two guys said three. I said one. Um, 
Well, he's at two right now. The Rebels are at two, I should say. And, um, you know, so he, he, he brought an end to the, to the losing streak, and now they've got a two-game winning streak. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to sit here and predict that UNLV is going to beat San Diego State. But what I'm going to say is this. With the way that it has played over the course of this season and the fact that it is now playing with 60 minutes of confidence and it's learned how to close, what the Aztecs better not do is come in thinking it's going to bully UNLV around. And that's a key piece, Willie, for this Aztecs team because they are coming off one of the more emotional games they'll play all season long as they hold on late uh, to defeat the Wolfpack and game down in Carson. Of course, they're playing their games up in the L.A. area because their stadium is under construction uh, down in San Diego. And this week they will come in and take on UNLV as an 11-point favorite. And I don't think you should look at that number and think to yourself, wow, they're only 11 points apart. Keep in mind, San Diego State really struggles to score. This is a team that uh, has a hard time putting points on the board. That's what UNLV's done fairly successfully of late, be able to put the football into the end zone uh, instead of settling for field goals, having drive stall out, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Another team that keeps you out of the end zone, Willie, perfect transition, Uh, Circus Sports opens Georgia as a three-point favorite against Alabama in a hypothetical SEC title game. Um, We know that these two teams are probably going to find themselves in the CFP one way or the other at the end of the season. Um, Georgia and Alabama, right now, I I sit there in front of you and say, Willie, pick a side, Georgia laying three or Alabama getting three in the SEC title game. What do you got? Laying Georgia, no doubt. Really? That that confident? You didn't hesitate for a second there. Not even a second. That 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 defense is is beyond impressive. That def- this is this is Georgia's year. I mean, I now now and I'll I'll throw this disclaimer out. Okay, I will throw this disclaimer out. I have been somewhat of a de facto Georgia fan since my son was fighting on a national level in Olympic style Taekwondo, and he was dubbed J Dog, and his little logo when we go to junior olympics all the kids we i do up a media guide this was the early 2000s just like we would see if we're covering something and so all any team with bulldogs he would be all over it so georgia became the team that he would you know it wasn't fresno state wasn't you know other bulldog it was always georgia so one time when he fought in atlanta at the georgia dome we went to the campus in athens so i've always kind of been fond of georgia been fond of we had an english bulldog and in the past, when Georgia's been in the mix, I would automatically cheer for Georgia. It didn't mean that I was confident. I would always want Georgia, never picking Georgia. I'd always say, well, they got their hands full. They got this. What I'm telling you right now is this has nothing to do with wanting or cheering for the Bulldogs. That team is for real. That defense is ridiculous. Alabama is going to have its hands full when it clashes with Georgia. We have seen Alabama somewhat, I don't want to use the word struggle, but it has not looked like the Alabama 
like Georgia does this year, it has not looked like that dominant. Like, you know, it sh- probably should have beaten LSU a little bit more than 20 to 14. I know it's a robbery, but it was in Tuscaloosa, right? Lost at Texas A&M. Uh, squeaked by Florida. I don't think this is as dominant an Alabama team as we've seen in the past, and I think this is probably one of the best Georgia programs of all time. You know, Willie, I think we find ourselves in a very similar spot with Alabama that we do with the Kansas City Chiefs, where it's not what we're used to seeing from them. It's not the same level of dominance, and yet we've seen it with Nick Saban. We've seen it with Andy Reid's team, where when it's right, you're not beating them. And, and I think we all have those memories. We all have it kind of burned into our skull that we've seen it happen too many times to want to bet against them. Yet, we, are, you know, what you said about Georgia, every bit of it is accurate. Every bit of it. Uh, that defense has been one of the better units that we've seen on either side of the ball all season long. I think uh, the only thing we can hope for is to get maybe, if we're lucky, two of those Georgia-Alabama games uh, this year, maybe in the SEC title game with Georgia, as we mentioned, favored by three at Circus Sports and maybe potentially in a national championship if as you were, well. Uh, if Vegas you were, Golden Knights are back on the ice tomorrow night. Big game against the Carolina Hurricanes, one of the better teams in the National Hockey League. Ashley Vice is the rinkside reporter for VGK. She joins us next on Gofield and Company. A look ahead, down the middle for Smith. Had to fake around Myers. Oh, in front, they score! Marshall a giveaway by the Canucks. Myers and Demko both went for the puck. Neither got it. Marcheseau did. Two goals today. The extra point is good. Seven to four, Golden Knights. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. You hear there the voice of Dan Duva, radio for the Vegas Golden Knights. That was... As fun of a hockey game as you could ask for over the weekend with the Golden Knights putting up seven against the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Thatcher Demko, of course, was a problem for them back in the bubble uh, about a year and a half-ish ago. Uh, No such problems for VGK. They get back on the ice tomorrow night against the Carolina Hurricanes. Very good test from one of the best in the East right now. Willie Ramirez is getting ready for Monday Night Football out at Twin Peaks. Adam Candy. Uh, Bobby's back at the Finley Toyota Studios. We kicked Ari out. We were done with him. And, frankly, you know, and if, we done it so- if we could have done it sooner, we would have. It's just, you know, labor laws and all that. you got to make sure you give him notice. Ashley Weiss is not part of all of our mess. She's just joining us and being kind enough to give us a little bit of her time to talk Vegas Golden Knights. The VGK reporter uh, here on Cofield and Company. Ashley, uh, was, was that game on Saturday as much fun as it was uh, for you as it was for us? Because seven goals is something I feel like I didn't know I needed in my life until I saw it. It was. It was a little bit hard to keep up with. I think I'm still a little bit tired from it. Just the emotional roller coaster. Because even though it was seven goals, it still felt, felt close there in the third period. Uh, it wasn't until Jonathan Marshall's. You know, goal that made it 5-4 that you were like, okay, is it going to hold on now? Is it going to stop? Uh, I think Robin Leonard put it best when he said those games are fun when you're on the right side of it. So, yes, it was just as much fun uh, now that we know the result. Ashley, there has been no shortage of news for you to keep up with with this team here in your first season 
with the Vegas Golden Knights. More of it today uh, with Will Carrier going into the, the COVID protocols. Uh, what has it been like trying to keep up with all the ins and outs of this VGK lineup? You know, luckily, since I got here when training camp started, I have a good idea of the depth of the organization. I was familiar with Paul Cotter. I was familiar with Jake LeCision. I was familiar with Jonas Rombjerg, all these names, because they played preseason games. Thank goodness I got here in time for preseason. Otherwise, it'd be a little bit tough, I think. But, yeah, it's been it's been tough. Uh, what did Pete DeBoer say last week? It wouldn't be us if we weren't down another man, uh, which I guess it's one of those things where you kind of have to just smile through the pain at some point. It has been crazy, but when you look at them winning eight out of the last ten games despite all of that, it's kind of crazy. I don't know that many people after game five, whenever they were one and four and guys were dropping like flies, would fast forward to game 15 when it seems like guys are still dropping like flies and think that they would be at nine and six now. Ashley, one person you're definitely familiar with is Alex Petrangelo, captained the St. Louis Blues uh, to the Stanley Cup championship while you were there. That was an interesting season in that St. Louis went into January, the worst team in the National Hockey League, made a switch. Jordan Bennington gets between the pipes. They make some tweaks, make some adjustments, just start playing better, and then they make a run. Now, I'm not sure if the first half I didn't cover the team, saw them several times, but um, that was a team that, you know, I don't think it incurred as many injuries as the Golden Knights. So I guess my point is with the adversity – that the Golden Knights are facing right now, and it's it's something that they can overcome because they're going to slowly get pieces to this puzzle back. Um, you saw a team overcome just horrible play. Um, right. What, what is the potential of this team for what you know of it and the talent that's about to come back, the fact that it's playing so well with missing uh, with with replacement parts? Right, yeah. I'm a firm believer that teams have to face adversity to make it far. And that situation in St. Louis was pretty extreme. That was kind of a situation of you have all these incredible pieces. How do you make them fit together? Because they had some major acquisitions that offseason. Ryan O'Reilly, Pat Maroon, who didn't seem like a major acquisition at the time, ended up being a major acquisition. Uh, It was a huge offseason for them. But then David Perron had returned to St. Louis that well, that, before that season as well. Tyler Bozak signed there. So it was trying to get all of these great veteran pieces and making them fit together. Here, like you said, it's simply not having those veteran pieces because they've you know, fallen off, gotten injured, um, gone through COVID protocol, whatever it may be. So I'm a firm believer that it does take adversity to make it far. I think that it's definitely a good thing that the Golden Knights are able to show right now that they can make it work regardless of who the pieces are are that they have what i think is going to be important is as they start introducing these pieces back you saw mark stone back last game um you know weeks and weeks ahead maybe whenever we start seeing max patcheretti come back a month or two ahead when we see william carlson come back whatever those timelines may be what's going to be important is them sticking to their structured detailed game because you can't have these skilled guys come back and just think okay we're back to our full lineup now what you have to do is realize wow, we were that good without them. Imagine if we play that way with these skilled guys coming back into the lineup. And if they can do that, honestly, I don't even know what to say about the potential. You throw Jack Eichel in the mix, too. I mean, if I, on paper, I don't know how much more of a cup-contending team you can get to. I don't know how much closer you can get to that on paper. Out in the press box uh, last week, I, I looked up behind me to where the injured players were sitting. And it is absolutely striking when you see Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, and Jack Eichel oh all sitting together and realize that you have 
a, you know, a, a decent fraction of the captains in the National Hockey League uh, all, all sitting there injured and understand what VGK could become when, uh, when those guys are back in the mix. Vegas Golden Knights are in the middle of a six-game homestand at this point. The Carolina Hurricanes are on the docket tomorrow. Ashley, this looks to be one of the best teams in the NHL and a really good test for VGK. They are. It's, I think it's the biggest test that they've had so far. I was talking to Shane Knighty a little bit about it today. You think about how Vegas played Edmonton pretty early on, and Edmonton was on a tear to start the season. They're still playing very well, of course. But the difference is now they're playing a team that has sustained this. And, I mean, Edmonton is still playing great, but Carolina's 11-2, which is absurd way to start a season. And they're also – they've been good. I mean, I'm sure – Vegas fans were keeping up with the President's Trophy race last season, and Carolina was right up there with Vegas and Colorado there toward the end of that race. So it's a team that's not just good right now. It's a team that's been good, and that's what's dangerous. You're not really thinking, oh, they're just off to a good start this season. You know the damage that they can do. However, like you said, imagine all these guys still going out if Vegas can get it done. What kind of message does that send? Now it's not just eight of the last ten games, but now they win a game over arguably the hottest team in the league right now. That Minnesota win was huge last Thursday. At that time, it was the top in the Central. Now if they can take, take down possibly the top team in the East, imagine the confidence that that builds. I noticed uh, since this 8-2-0 eight, eight, and, uh, eight, and o run, they're one of um, two teams with eight wins since October 26th, one of three teams with 16 points. Goal production is up. They rank fourth in the league in that span, 3.60. And goals against, um, they're, they're in the top 13, but, you know, there's a lot of crunched teams in there that are allowing two with a decimal point. You know, they're allowing 2.7 goals in that time frame. It's 13th in the league. There's a lot of the little things that are being done outside of Robin Lenners and, and Boissas, uh, Laurent Boissas, and then the goal scores. There are a lot of the little things, and I'm working on a piece on Braden McNabb. And if you remember the other night in the press conference, the one thing, and, and I and Nick Haig said it today in the in the press conference uh, after practice, it's the little things that nobody else does or thinks to do. Those instinctive things that Braden McNabb. But this is a team that right now. With the young guys mixed in with the the few veterans that are there, the misfit carryovers, this is a team that has to do those things. Have they figured that out? Are you seeing that, especially down when you're down there on the ice, those little things in the corners, those positioning, the stick position. Nick Haig brought that up today, that Braden McNabb just knows where to be on the ice, but he knows where to position the stick. Yeah, I think so, and I think part of the reason you're seeing that, so you mentioned the looking up, in the press box and seeing three captains. Well, you also have Alex Petrangelo, the former captain, on the ice. You have Alec Martinez, who's won multiple Stanley Cups, and those guys communicate. Both Alex Petrangelo and Braden McNabb are known for their communication. In these last few games, you've seen Braden McNabb playing with Dylan Coughlin, who's a young player who could learn. You know, he's he's a solid player. Pete DeBoer says in most organizations he would be a top-six defenseman every night. Uh, this organization is just so deep that that hasn't been the case for him here. But he's talked about how Braden McNabb is communicating with him on the ice. He's talking to him on the bench. Uh, And then you have Alex Petrangelo with the younger guy and Nick Haig. You know, I mean, he's not a rookie anymore, but he kind of just established himself as a full-time NHLer in the last season or two. So Alex Petrangelo is also known for his communication. So you are starting to see that trickle down, and you're starting to see 
yes, young guys are stepping up, but you're also able to see just how much leadership this team has, whether it's leading by example, whether it's talking, whether it's talking in the room, talking on the ice, talking on the bench, whatever it may be. And as far as Brady McNabb, it's funny because you were, I remember you asking, like, you know, people think whenever they think about this solid decor about Alex Petrangelo and Shea Theodore and Alex Martinez, but what about a guy like Braden McNabb, who's been a steady piece of this defensive core from day one? And it's funny, the, the league has gotten so offensive-minded that most teams that are successful teams get a lot of offense from their blue line, as do the Vegas Golden Knights. But when you think about what really makes a good NHL defenseman, you have to defend first. You can't just be offense and no defense all the time. And really, with defensemen, if the average person is watching, if you're not noticing the defensemen out there, then they're probably doing a heck of a good job. And those are the kind of things that Braden McNabb is doing that we might not notice, but the other guys on the ice certainly do. And it does seem to, like it does seem like it's starting to spread to the rest of the team. I mean, you can see whenever they have their hiccups, right? You can see whenever they give up two goals in the first that it happens. But they have a good enough grip on their game right now that they're able to lock in the details after they get to that point and find some success. Ashley, you mentioned uh, toward the top of our interview here that the Golden Knights have eight wins in their last ten games. Willie just noted that you know since October 26th will be the time. And here on Cofield & Company, we're nothing if not thorough with our research. So I saw your tweet on October 27th talking about how things turned a little bit for the Golden Knights when Dave Gosher and Shane oh, Knight yes. sang Friends in Low Places <laughs> live. I, I, don't mean to, I don't mean to speak for the entire Golden Knights organization, but it seems like you might have pegged the moment where everything turned for VGK. That's, good. That's a good point. You know, I was definitely feeling like that was it that game, but I didn't think about it being this far down the road. I have to go back and remember which building that was in that they were singing that game now. October 27th. It was incredible. It was just with TV timeout. I said, I hope you guys don't mind me sharing this because Vegas was down at the time. But there's a sing-along going on. They start jamming out, and next thing you know, it was a comeback win. It was in Dallas. That's where it was. Um, Which uh, only makes sense. Three to two overtime Friends in low places in Dallas, obviously. They come back, and there you have it. Yeah, you're right. I don't know if I should take the credit for pegging it or if they should take credit for actually turning the season around. But you're right. It's been a pretty incredible stretch since then. Yeah, it really has, and it's good that uh, you don't have to really peg the credit to one of you. It's great the whole the whole AT&T Sportsnet crew, right? You, everybody right. can work together and take a little bit of credit for that one for the Vegas Golden Knights being eight and two in their last ten. Thanks to friends in low places. Thanks to Dave and Shane and Our Ashley as crew. well. The whole crew. So Ashley Vice, Vegas Golden Knights. We appreciate the time. Thanks very much. And uh, if we're not out at the rink tomorrow night, then we'll see you on the air. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Uh, when we come back, uh, Willie and I have a very important discussion to have about name, image, and likeness in college sports. Oh, and a little bit of cereal, too. Domestic drafts under 4 bucks and appetizers for $2, $4, and $6, all at Twin Peaks. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack, brought to you by Nova Home Loans. And there's wine already for That is 100% accurate. Uh, Twin Peaks is where we're getting our food this evening. Willie Ray told you about getting the Cobb salad and the Thai wings. Uh, there are appetizers, $2, $4, $6, $4 draft beers, all game long during Monday night football. 
Willie Ramirez out at Twin Peaks, Adam Candy, Bobby back at the Finley Toyota Studios talking through not only Monday Night Football uh, and the great food that is available out at Twin Peaks, but of course, um, food is among the many options when it comes to the new name, image, and likeness deals that are out there. I don't know what smart restaurant, the same way that they have Steve Cofield talking about 29 pounds of meat, like our friends at Meetup Vegas. I don't know what smart restaurant would not want an offensive lineman speaking up for the quality of their food or the size of their portions. These are the sorts of deals that I think it was built for. And um, there are there are desires out there, Willie. There are desires. There there are there are wants from some of the players in terms of what they would like to have for their special deal. Our friend Mike Gramala, of course, is not someone you ever want to trust when it comes to food opinions. Not what not now, not ever. Mike Gramala literally went to Buffalo to try chicken wings and went to Buffalo Wild Wings. Mike is a special human being when it comes to food. But he does do a great segment uh, over at the Las Vegas Sun called Take a Lap, where he does a, uh, a golf cart lap with UNLV wait, athletes. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, I'm sorry to cut you off, but you're uh, just going to leave That it. you did. What do you, what do you need? Well, you're just going to leave it hanging and not reveal that when he went there, how many he actually ordered? He ordered, he ordered the kids' portion of two wings and ate one of them. Okay, keep going. Now that can go that, that is, I mean, and it sounds like I'm making that up. No. But it's not. It's okay. not false. That go is back. absolutely what Mike did. Uh, he took a lap around the, the UNLV uh, Thomas and Mack Center with Royce Hamm uh, from the UNLV men's basketball team. And he asked Royce, what would be your ideal name, image, and likeness deal, and I thought Royce had an interesting answer. I'm a pretty simple guy. Yeah. <laughs> now that players are allowed to profit off their name, you can, say, endorse a product or something like that. What would be, like, what would you want to do? What would be a dream endorsement? Wow, that's a great question. A dream endorsement would probably be with Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I love cereal, <laughs> and Cinnamon Toast Crunch is my favorite, so I would love to get an endorsement with those. I think I would do uh, commercial appearances, stuff like that, eating cereal, uh, whatever they need me to do. Oh, yeah. Uh, what, I mean, once you sign up, you're you're their guy. Like, you got to do the uh, the glad handing, the appearances, all that stuff. Willie, um, Ari, before we kicked him out, gave us his top three cereal picks. Which cereal would you be the biggest stand for um the first thing he said was corn checks which let's be honest that's perfect for ari like there's nothing wrong with corn checks they're just there they're just kind of bland there's eh, that's fine yeah. uh fruit loops and then he went with cinnamon toast crunch as as a third so i will turn the floor over to you uh this is the fat pack you give me your top three cereals and and defend yourself sir why do you like them the way you do well, growing up, my favorite always was Frosted Flakes. Um, I think for obvious reasons. Now, the thing with Frosted Flakes is you have to, it has to be eaten with ice-cold milk. I don't mean ice in it, but very cold. And it's got to be eaten quick because it does get soggy quick. So if you, you know, I was never a big... I knew a lot of people that did the big, like the the mixing bowl, and then they would just pour, like on a Saturday morning, the old school cartoons that were really good, you know, and then they put the the cereal in the plastic bowl, and then it's soggy halfway through. So if you're going to do, if you want a lot, just go pour yourself a second one, because Frosted Flakes, it's got to be crunchy the whole time through. 
Cinnamon Toast Crunch wasn't out when I was a kid. Okay. But I but Cinnamon Toast Crunch is good. Um, I would have to say now this may sound strange because I'm not sure how many people actually liked it. But long before there was Raisin Bran Crunch, it was just Raisin Bran, and I didn't mind it. Um, it just I, I it sort of tolerated it because it was in my house. Um, and then I would have to say. It's probably a toss-up between Fruit Loops and Apple Jacks. Um, I was never a fan of Lucky Charms. Didn't like the the little marshmallow things. It just didn't didn't fly with me. Uh, Honey Nut Cheerios wasn't around. It was just Cheerios. And I'll tell you what I was not a fan of. Adam is is if if Mom had a cereal in the house and it was a, a healthy one, I guess, or for her, and there was no sugar. Like I would not put sugar, sprinkle sugar on my cereal. Could not do it. Did not want it. Did not Rice Krispies. If I was going to eat Rice Krispies, which I didn't, um, I wouldn't. I did not like putting it because you had to stir it. You had to constantly stir it. Otherwise, when you got to the end, it'd be globs of sugar at the bottom, and you got to drink the water, the milk at the end of the bowl. So, I it had to be pre sweetened. Um, Frosted Flakes was always my go to. Wasn't until I was an adult that I actually thought of or was turned on to adding bananas to the Frosted Flakes, which was actually a nice little combo. Now, as I'm older, I still like Frosted Flakes, but I'm a Honey Nut Cheerio guy. Um, like, on a, if, I, if I need to carb up for a big leg day and I'm going to add some carbs to the meal, I'm probably going to throw some Honey Nut Cheerios in there. Um, and then there's some healthy ones that, that are actually tasty. Um, the Kashi brand are pretty good. So um, the traditionals, though, sitting right on top, no doubt about it. It's going to be Frosted Flakes. Okay. And obviously, Willie is a big rule follower because I asked him for three, and he named, I think, 46 cereals somewhere in there. There are, listen to me, there are 4,945 different types. I looked it up. <laughs> well, I'm glad we didn't get all of those all of those put in there. Um, let me see if I can get this thing where it needs to be. Let's, let's go with a, a succinct list that I think covers my childhood up until now. Number three on the list is Peanut Butter Captain Crunch. Um, and this is a milk play. This is much more about the milk than it is about the cereal. The, the cereal does a very good job with Peanut Butter Captain Crunch of holding its crunch. Otherwise, it would be false damn advertising. Then it would be Peanut Butter Captain Mush, which, let's be honest, that's a terrible cereal. Um, but the Peanut Butter Captain Crunch leaves you with peanut butter milk. Yes. When... Where else can you get peanut butter milk? I can go to the store. I can buy chocolate milk, Willie. I can mm. buy coconut milk, almond milk. I, I mm. can't buy peanut butter milk. For I sure. can get peanut butter milk through my cereal. So that's, yeah. my, that's my number three. That's my okay. number three. Uh, number two is as much a name play as it is anything else. Because in high school, we were the funniest guys in the world. Um, and we thought it was fun to call honey bunches of oats horny bunches of goats. Oh. Um, and Makes so sense. I still can't walk by it in the store without looking and thinking, oh, the goats. But you know what? I, I really like I like it. I like the Honey Bunches of Oats. I've always I've always had a, a little soft spot for, for the Honey Bunches of Oats, um, which I guess kind of works in a similar place to Frosted Flakes in the end. You're getting some sugary corn flakes. But at the top of the list, and, and you just said it, and, and this is sort of unimpeachable, um, Honey Nut Cheerios is the perfect combination of I want something that's nice and uh, and healthier. Mm -hmm. Still gives me a little bit of that milk, uh, that milk sugar sweetness yep. that I could want. 
Sure. Um, and if you're playing on an advanced level, you might do something that avoids needing to put that sugar sprinkle onto your cereal. You could have regular Cheerios yeah. and go, and the ratio is right up at about a third to a half Honey Nut Cheerio, depending on how you're feeling, mixed in with the regular Cheerio, and you get just enough sweetness that you know it's there. It's kind of like me. It's like just a little bit sweet. Overall, probably pretty bland. Uh, but, you know, enough sweetness to say, all right, I can, I can do that. And it holds its own without getting mushy over a course of time. It really does. Now, let me just let me interject real quick, and I'll tell you one thing. Mm-hmm. I will say this. Mm-hmm. I liked Captain Crunch as a little kid, but do you know why I didn't want it bought? Didn't It messed up the roof of your mouth. Oh, that it, is actually it, a good call. It that carves is into the roof cow. of your mouth. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that. There's a little film that kind of gets yeah. left behind, like like the captain wants to leave you a little something special behind to remind yeah. you that he was there, and you get right. that little Captain Crunch film. Go- yeah, that's a that's a solid point. I guess that's why it's only in the number three spot uh, for me here uh, here in the Fat Pack. Cereal is a big deal. Hit hit up Willie not only at Twin Peaks where he is right now for Monday Night Football. If you're going to go out and talk to Willie and come get some of the prizes he has, like the T-shirts or the tickets to Bill Burr or the tickets to UNLV football, uh, Willie's going to want to know what your cereal is when you come out and talk to him uh, because the fat pack isn't just us. It includes all of you out there on Cofield and Company uh, as well. Um, It's a big group. It's inclusive. Uh, The biggest group out there this weekend that probably needs a little cereal and a little hug were folks who had the Pittsburgh Steelers in their survivor pool. I am Ooh. so sorry to every one of you. We will round up your sorrows in just a moment. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. It's Cofield & Company's eye on sports gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. our eye on sports betting here on Cofield and Company. Live out of Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football. Adam Candy along with Willie Ramirez. We are out here at Twin Peaks and uh, William just stopped by for two tickets to San Diego State UNLV. Plus he entered the VGK ticket giveaway and he put his vote in for Frosted Mini Wheats. Okay, you know what, William? That you deserve tickets for that alone because I went through yeah. a big frosted mini wheat stage. Uh, yeah. there, there, there was a time, in my early twenties, where I think that qualified as breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Yeah. So our guy William Rubido, uh, a frequent listener, he says he listens to Cofield and whoever the company is. He came. He's shot right over because he's listening to you and I. And like I said, he entered the sweepstakes. He grabbed two tickets to Friday night's UNLV San Diego State game. He may hang out here. It's starting to get crowded, by the way. Getting ready for kickoff. About nine minutes, uh, well, about 24 minutes away. Um, I got more tickets. I got T-shirts. We got Bill Burr. I got Tape Face. We got great food, great drinks. Definitely drink specials. Get down here. $2, $4, $6 appetizers, $4 drafts. Icy cold during the game. Uh, If you are a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers or if you were one of the Almost 250 people in the Circus Survivor Contest who chose the Pittsburgh Steelers. You need some of that in your life. You need some cheap drinks, some cheap food to make you feel better because your $1,000 entry in the Survivor Contest went bye-bye, as our friend Cofield likes to say, uh, in a 16-all tie. Mason Rudolph could not get the Steelers past the winless Detroit Lions 
Um, I think it's pretty tough that you lose your survivor entry on a tie. Uh, yeah. The rules are clear. It's not like uh, there, there are no secrets in this contest. They're made clear right from the beginning. Your team has to win or, or you don't get in. But I, I feel like if we're going to go full sort of, you know, into the rules word by word here, your team did not lose. Like, technically, your team is, is surviving because they did not lose. But, of course, uh, another 250 people in the contest are now out of it. What do you think, Willie? Like, it, should it be... Should you get a pass for a tie? Hmm, it's tough because the, here's my question: if if you get a pass, do you lose those teams. You, you you automatically can't choose those teams anymore, right? Because it's true. Like you can only use your team once, right? You can only use the team once. Right. But then, but then the argument would be, but I didn't lose. So do you, does the team go back into the pool? Does it not? Uh, it's a tough. That's a reasonable it's a, it's question. A, it's a little bit of a quagmire yeah. there, um, you know. But here's the thing. I think the rules make sense. It sounds unfair, but here's the deal. You are picking a survivor because you're choosing the team that you feel is most suited in its situation to win, not to tie. So I do feel bad, and I think it sucks to have to go out that way, but I think the rule is fine. There have been some tough ones. Uh, a lot of people lost with the Bills last week against the Jaguars. Of course, last year, everybody remembers uh, the Jets and the Rams, and the Jets went to L.A. and got their first win of the year. Rams tonight are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, opened on the look-ahead as Rams by three over San Francisco. Uh, it is now sitting... At three and a half, total 50 and a half in most spots for the Rams up in Santa Clara this evening. Uh, Willie, any, any strong feelings for you in terms of what side you uh, would want to be on, whether you like the total in this game? Because we're seeing a couple of those three and a half start to juice up uh, and look like they might even be headed toward four. I think the Rams are going to name it tonight. I really do. Um, I mean, I don't know how to put it more bluntly and boringly, but the Rams were already an NFC contender. Um, throw out last week. They they just got better. With the addition of Von Miller and the addition of Odell Beckham, the guys that they're that realistically would be playing in front of them, I mean, they're top notch. So now you're bringing them in. They just get better. The Rams are going to be out to avenge a game in which they held Tennessee to less than 200 yards and still lost 28-16. to 16. And if anyone will be out to avenge the loss, it's going to be Matthew Stafford. He turned the ball over at the Rams' eight-yard line. A second turnover was returned 24 yards for a touchdown. I mean, this was a self-inflicted loss. The Rams, they committed 12 penalties for 115 yards. You and I both know the Rams are better than that. They're more disciplined. And I think that they're going to be out to make the same statement that Kansas City made last night. And they're facing a 49ers team that was embarrassed by a division rival second-string offense. The same Cardinals team that was just humiliated at home by what was a four-win Carolina team. So uh, I think L.A. is going to get this. It's been dominant at the window against NFC West foes, covering 12 of 16 in division play. It's been strong in rebound mode, having covered 13 of 16 after a straight-up loss. I think the Rams win and cover this one quite easily yeah it it's obviously a, a slightly tricky number with it being where it is at three and a half uh, you know i think anybody 
would say, well, of course, you know, I, I, I would prefer three. Yeah, we'd all prefer three. You can't get it. Uh, you know, it's actually trending toward four now in some places uh, as we're a few minutes from kickoff. I'll tell you what, Willie, in a game like this where I can't really get much of a handle on the side because I think San Francisco is a better team than they've shown, but they obviously haven't shown it. And I'm a little concerned about what the Rams offense looks like without Robert Woods as they try to get Odell back and worked in just for this week. This, for me, is a game where I'm probably either going to look at the under uh, with my lack of faith in Jimmy Garoppolo, or I think a better way to attack this might be with a prop. Uh, it's been pretty profitable to look at Cooper Cup over on receptions. Uh, of course, we know he's pacing toward 2,000 receiving yards this year, but the last four weeks for Cooper Cup, 9, 10, 7, and 11 catches, uh, you're going to have to pay some serious juice on over 7.5 for Cooper Cup, but uh, it is minus 146. I think, especially with Robert Woods out, especially with Odell Beckham Jr. just getting acclimated to the Sean McVay offense and getting used to the connection with Matthew Stafford, I think Cooper Cup is going to smash uh, this evening for the Rams. And, and that's just generally a game like this where I don't have a great feel for a side. I think I have more of a feel for what is a game script that I think could happen, win or lose, cover or no cover. It has more to do uh, with the Rams offense and the fact that, again, you just mentioned, they weren't even good uh, last week against the Titans. And Cooper Cup still had 11 receptions. Yeah, and I, I, I you talk about the total a little bit. If, if you're not looking at the side, is I, I lean toward the under here. Yeah. Um, just because I think that overall um, the Rams' defense is also going to want to make a little bit of a statement and bounce back. They're going to be pumped up and playing on the road. You know, you're always – when you go on the division road, you sort of want to go in, and just like we saw again with the Chiefs last night. And, you know, I think that they're going to do just enough with balanced offense, control the clock, control the pace, control the tempo. The clock will stay running. Um, I lean toward the under here. I definitely like the Rams as the top pick. Lean toward the under. And if you're looking for a little tease action, you know, your Rams and under, and then the lines are already up for next week, throw a couple next week in there, and, and you'll be good to go. Or you could even look ahead to Thursday with the Patriots and the Falcons. Yep, that is a And go Rams, for sure. under, and Patriots. How about that? Yeah, I mean, look, that the sitting at six, that is a very teasable line on the New England Patriots uh, with the Falcons coming off a pretty abysmal performance against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, just a little bit of information for you overall as you consider uh, what you're doing this season. This is from Dave Tooley over at VEASAN. Uh, favorites are now 86-59-1 straight up on the season. Uh, dogs overall, though, are 84-61-1 ATS. So underdogs in the NFL have hit at 58% essentially this year. Um, unders overall have been the more profitable side, 81-66-255% they've hit on the year. Monday Night Football is about to kick off, but you're not at Twin Peaks yet? Well, you should be. Go see Willie and go hang out, get the beer specials, the food specials. Um, you can still have one earbud in for the Big Five. It's coming up in a minute. The Ultimate Sports Lodge, where you can watch every game in HD. The beer is an icy 29 degrees, and the food leaves you coming back for more. Twin Peaks Lodge in Henderson.